0: Police officers, they often get a bad rap, primarily because people, social media, and the news only highly publicize negative interactions.
1: Officer David Dukes was fired and charged with felony assault and battery.
0: Excessive force can never be an acceptable foundation for the policing of any community. Officer Kevin
1: Press kicked Crud up several times and slammed his head to the ground. It's
2: disappointing, after a year unlike any other, that we still discredit some of our bravest men and women. Enough is enough. It's time we stand up and back the blue. I am Kayla Blakesley, a local member of the media and radio personality. And I am Sophia rosales
0: Catina, captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Together we are joining forces to bring you
2: Unholstered. An in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community Every single day. When we saw the car up in flames.
1: You know, we saw the two kids in the back unconscious. We knew that we had to get them out.
2: And no topics are off limits.
1: On that day, I participated in the defense of the United States Capitol from an armed mob. He's at the cops right now. We're backing up. A sixth-grade female student fired multiple rounds.
0: Who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? When we have a crime in our neighborhood, we need police reform. Plus, we'll give you an intimate look into the unheard stories that only officers themselves can share.
2: From saving lives...
0: Officer Michael,
3: in heroic fashion, returned fire uh, even even in the midst of of
0: being shot himself. To soul-crushing losses. This is a raw scene and this is a raw
2: emotional outpouring of hurt by your police department and by your first responders. And every incredible moment in between. Thank God there's a school resource officer there to handle and de-escalate the situation so nobody is hurt. We're giving you an unfiltered look at some of the bravest men and women on earth.
0: So join us for a show unlike any other and hear from your police officers like you've never heard them before.
2: Your town, your topics, your team. This is Unholstered.
3: This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. Unholstered.
2: Good afternoon, welcome on in here to another edition of Unholstered. We're glad you're here hanging out with us. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am just one of your hosts here On Unholstered, if you don't know it, I host my own uh, radio program in Fort Wayne, Indiana during the week and on the weekends. I host this program with my co-host, Sophia.
0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia rosales Catina, and I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. I'm glad we all made it to the weekend. Yes,
2: finally. And welcome to the show. If you've never listened before, first of all, shame on you. Uh, Second of (laughs) all, uh, this is the show all about the local media, which is me teaming up with our local police department here in Fort Wayne, which is obviously Sophia, uh, to share and tell all of the stories that don't often get told when it comes to law enforcement, when it comes to backing. Our men and women in blue. If you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, download us. You can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you can download a podcast. And Sophia, I've got to be completely honest with you. My mind has just been blown uh, the past couple of weekends here on Unholstered as we really started to dive into the topic of Uh, for lack of better terminology here, constitutional carry. I'm sure everyone's uh, familiar with this legislation uh, when it comes to the state of Indiana, repealing the handgun permit requirement for Hoosiers. I'm not going to get into it, but... I feel like we're going to need another episode to answer all of the questions that we've just had come in about that. So right. I feel like we there knew might... we were going
0: to have to do another yeah, show. We, we might it. have
2: to do another one about yeah. that. And don't forget, you can download unholstered anywhere. You can download a podcast. Uh, but for this week, Sophia, um, this was kind of a topic that, uh, you know, when you and I first got together and created the show, Uh, This was one of the topics that I had on the list that I I eventually wanted to get to. And we finally have the time now. But I really want to talk about the homicide division, the homicide team within the Fort Wayne Police Department. And I know that you have brought in two gentlemen today that are just integral um, to the homicide division being successful here in Fort Wayne.
0: Well, today I brought the two sergeants that run the division, the homicide division within our detective bureau. Um, These two are amazing people. Um, They really have a team concept. They really inspire and encourage and appreciate the people that work for them. And that's really sometimes um, hard to find in policing. Um, They're really True dedicated leaders, and they give everything they have to the investigations and to their teams. So I thought it was really important to highlight the good work that they're doing. so I'm going to let them introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Detective Sergeant Tim Hughes of the Homicide Division. My name is Matthew Wilson. I'm also Detective Sergeant with the Homicide Division.
2: How long have you both been with the homicide division?
1: I've uh, been with with the unit for three and a half years, and I am a uh, I'm new up there approximately six months. okay.
2: Oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> So let, let's start then, Sophia. You kind of had mentioned off the air when we were chit-chatting about, uh, kind of diving into this, talking about the where things were versus where things are now um, yeah. when it comes to this homicide division. So can we start there? I mean, has the Fort Wayne Police Department always had a homicide division? We have, and
0: it's over the years, you know, uh, detectives have done their best. They've done their best, but as we've progressed we never really kind of looked at alternative ways to do things. We kind of just were stuck in the same patterns that we were doing. Doesn't make it wrong, doesn't right. make it well, bad. It's one of those
2: things where if it's not broke, why are you trying to right. fix it, right? Yeah. Um,
0: but when Tim came on board, there was a fundamental shift in how he worked and how he liked to work with people. And it really, I think, highlighted unique talents of people on the homicide division and really brought out the best of everyone in a more of a team concept kind of way, in a collaborative way, because they started working with other divisions. They started working with other areas in law enforcement, our federal um, law enforcement officials, other cities, other states. And really, it's a collaborative effort. And it has to be when you're dealing with these kinds of things, because everyone is so nomadic. We've talked about how people just move around so much. Um, there's, you know, technology has morphed and there. There's so many nuances that come in that people don't understand or don't realize everything that goes into kind of these investigations. So I'm going to let Tim kind of talk about why he did that, what the reasons for that. But I just kind of wanted to give you a brief synopsis.
2: Yeah, Tim, I mean, when you came in, what were your initial thoughts with the homicide division?
3: Well, I took um, about the first three months, uh, so it would have been October, November, December of 2018, and I just kind of uh, let the unit, unit continue to work as it as it had been, and I was just kind of observing where are we strong and where are we weak, and what what can we do to improve. Um, at that time, we had we only had six homicide detectives, um, and they would be averaging a, a caseload of about six, seven homicides each a year, wow. and and that's quite a bit higher than the recommended number of, of three to four per detective. Um, so I just kind of watched how, how it, how it worked. And I noticed that there was a tremendous amount of work being, being done by one detective at a time. Uh and he, and this was causing detective burnout. Things weren't getting, uh, accomplished as quickly as they needed to. Uh, so we started to push for, for more detectives. And, uh, Eventually, we got the number up to 10.
2: Oh, wow. So you went from 6 to ten.
3: Six to 10. Uh, We partnered them up, and we started to take this. It would have been about January uh, 2019 where we started to make these changes. But we started to take another approach. Instead of one detective working on a case, whenever we got a new case, the entire unit would work it uh, until there was nothing left to work.
2: Is that how all cases are, or is that just for specific cases that you do that approach?
3: And we take that approach on all cases. I mean, obviously, it's, it's dependent on how many cases we're getting. If if I have uh, m- multiple homicides over the weekend, I might have five people working on one case and five people working on another case. Mm. Um, so,
2: Because you have more detec- detectives you can work with now, since you have 10, right? Yeah. Right. So, okay, walk me through this. Let's, let's just kind of start with the basics. First of all, how did you all both become homicide detectives?
3: Uh, well around October 2018 that the, the uh, sergeant who was in charge of the homicide division left for a different assignment and I contacted the chief and asked him if he had uh, ever considered uh, making that an exempt position because I'd like to I'd like to you know give it a shot mm-hmm. and see what I could do and uh, he liked the idea of that so there was a little interview a little selection process I went through the
1: process I was selected
2: Matthew, what about you? I mean, you're relatively new, right? Six months?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it all started a few years ago. Actually, when Tim took over the division, he was doing um, a process to bring up new detectives to make them exempt. So he got to choose who he wanted to bring up there. And I interviewed for that process. Now, Tim told me later that I wasn't selected because I actually was getting ready to get promoted. So he could not invest that energy and mm-hmm. training into me just to see me get promoted and then leave the division. So... He always remembered me, and it was October of last year. He called me up, and I was on vacation, and he says, hey, do you want to come up here and, and be my partner? So I said absolutely, and the next month in November, I was up there, and me and Tim have been partners ever since.
2: Are the positions not normally exempt positions? So they're not. Um, our system
0: is, is we're, we're a union-based system, so it's seniority-based. So any position on the department, unless it's an exempt position, which means exempt from – the process of of the union Um, and it's handpicked by the chief or the chief's designee. So the division captains could pick their exempt positions. So it's unique and it's not something that we always do. So there's some units that are just handpicked. You have to, um, because if you rely on seniority, it's basically the older officers get it before the younger officers do. And, and the homicide division, it's so fast paced, high speed, that a lot of times when you're older in this profession, you don't want to be on call all the time. You don't want to be, you know, you called out. You paid those out. dues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you paid your dues and you kind of want to sit back a little bit. And the younger people are just a little bit more active and they're a little more engaged um, in, in those things and they want to do those things. But we're, we're lucky, though, because we have experienced detectives. They, they are pretty much a lot of them are older detectives and they're still there, still wanting to do this job and it's it's difficult it's difficult to be on call all the time
2: I, okay and i guess that's my as a as a civilian here I'm not a police officer obviously i uh, never wanted to be one to be honest with you i guess that's where you know i asked you both you know how did you, how did you guys become homicide detectives and he kind of gave me the um the resume if you will yeah. answer but i mean did y'all grow up wanting to do this because to, to me if i had to pick a job on the police force this would be the last one yeah. that i would pick it it just to me it, it just sounds horrifying
3: so I was a uniform cop uh, for about 20 years, and I never really had an interest in going to the detective bureau, but I always said if I ever did, it would, it would only be for homicide because it's really the only thing that I felt was worth my time. I'm not saying those other crimes and cases aren't important. And they're, they're just not what I wanted to work sure. on. Um, so I saw, my, I saw my opportunity to give homicide a try, and I, and, I, and I went after it.
2: So you really felt like, I mean, it was your calling. You're called to do it.
3: Yeah, I've been to so many crime scenes from working from working the street. Um, so I, I saw that end of it from the from the uniform officers' perspective. But when you're a uniform officer and you get called to a scene of a violent crime or a homicide, uh, you secure the scene. You you try to render aid to the victim if you can. You protect witnesses. You protect evidence, and then you just turn it over to the investigators. And then you kind of lose track of where it's going and what's happening and and. So I just wanted to try my
1: hand at going.
3: Did you
2: find yourself wanting to know what was happening with these cases? Uh, of course. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I told you earlier, I wanted to be in the homicide division as a detective. Unfortunately, I got promoted and I couldn't do that. I,
2: why? Why did you want to be in the homicide division as a detective?
1: Just like Tim said, we want to see things through. Yeah. And I was seeing people, Tim and I both worked the Southeast Division we were seeing some violent crime going on we never got to see the finale though how did this end up Mm -hmm. right we got to see the initial investigation and then we move on right so to me to be able to see from start to finish how this investigation works that's what i wanted to do and i've always loved complex cases i love things that were difficult to solve something that starts from zero and then we bring it up all the way to 100. so i've always took that as a challenge and that's why i wanted to come up here to bring my resources my intelligence man. my dedication to this division to solve the most heinous crimes we have I, ad-
2: I i admire you guys growing up and i don't know if this is this is not meant as an insult but growing up in my family for some reason we always called homicide detectives the murder police you yeah. know maybe that's why yeah. i have this like oh man that sounds like such a scary job to me yeah. mentality like it, just, it blows my mind that that's what you both actively wanted to do. Yep. But I get it. You want to see things through from start to finish. So can you walk us through a typical, I don't know if you can do that, if any case you can even call it typical, but to the best of your abilities, a start to finish case?
3: So, uh, okay, so for instance, uh, there's a shooting and 911 uh, is called and your uniform officers, your fire and EMS, uh, they show up at the scene. Uh, and just like I described a moment ago they they protect the scene uh, they render aid if possible they they try to gather locate evidence locate witnesses um, it's determined that it's a, a homicide or the person has a critical injury and is in life-threatening condition they'll then uh, do what's called play the tape and uh, when they play the tape that uh, a page is sent out to uh, so many people it, it goes out to the the whole command structure of the Fort Wayne Police Department, it goes out to the prosecutor's office, the homicide unit, the coroner's office, victim's assistance. Uh, If there's a homicide at uh, two o'clock in the morning, a lot of people are waking up Mm -hmm. and starting to work on it. And um, once the tape is played, uh, the homicide team, which consists of two, uh, just from the homicide unit, I'm not not speaking for the coroner's office and prosecutor's office, but just from the homicide unit, when the when the tape is played, the homicide team will consist of two lead homicide detectives, and then three support detectives, and one of them being a member of the gang and violent crimes unit. Mm. Uh, so, right now we're sending five detectives to the scene to work. Uh, their focus will be on on the homicide.
2: Do you ever get pushback that you're using a lot of resources for just one case
3: i've i've never s i've never had a complaint from the public that we're doing that we're putting too much effort yeah. into homicide cases and and i can I can say that i have not felt any pushback from command or administration that that we're putting too many resources into homicide I just know this this way of uh, the way that we're doing things really seems to work mm-hmm. and so we're sticking with it.
2: Okay. So you, you, you have all these people kind of getting this phone call, whether it be at 2 a.m. or what t- whatever time you have. Then what happens?
3: All right. So so the homicide team, like I just described, two leads and then three support detectives, they will start working the case. Well, and I can't tell you exactly what they're going to do because sure. every case is different. Maybe there's witnesses to interview. Maybe there isn't. Maybe there's uh, cameras that they need to go around and try and collect the footage. Uh, Or maybe we have a suspect and now we have a manhunt going on. So, I mean, it it just all depends. But they work the case until there's nothing left to work, until there's no actionable intel left for them to follow up on. And a lot of times that will involve them working uh, 16, 24. I mean, we've worked up to 30-some hours straight without going home because the information kept coming in and we have to follow this information right now. We can't wait until the... Monday morning, we can't wait until tomorrow because whatever that information is, it may not be any good by then.
0: This is all playing out real time, and I'll tell you in my uh, public information officer days, it was extraordinary to watch everything unfold when these things happened, especially when you had a larger scale what I would call a manhunt that we knew someone was in another area already. So, a lot of times. Um, things that happen here, a lot of drug and gang related activity um, when it comes to homicide stuff, in in people are leaving. They leave right away f- from the city. They get a car and they take off. Hmm. They're in another city. But the collaborative effort that these guys have built over the last few years makes a difference. And to watch everyone come together, everyone playing on the same team, there's no ego. Well, there might be a little ego, but...
2: <laughs> I think that's okay. In yes, case. yes. But... I kind of want them to have a little ego in It this stays case. in check. Yeah.
0: And People do their part. Everybody knows that they're a part of this solution that we have going on in this end um, to find this person and. It's amazing to watch. I mean, they have boards up, and there's information flowing, and there's screens up. We always
2: get into this, Sophia. So I'm going to ask the question. We always compare this show to, like, CSI or all of the cops programs out there (laughs) because none of it is, like, ever real. But is this real in that case? Like, you you do paint that picture in your mind. You've got suspects up on a wall somewhere and... Tax up with yes. photo. You that know, part that of it is
0: real because the information has to be available to be shared and, and a lot of times you know everybody's busy working so I can't go to Tim it's like hey Tim who are you looking at I know where to go when yeah. I need information on what who they're looking for or whatever that way as the media person I know and I would never divulge anything that I didn't check with them first but as as we went along and the you know I was doing my job they were doing theirs Tim and I had a really good relationship and we'd he'd give me information to put out enough and I'd giving back what I knew or what people were bringing me. So it was a good relationship we had. And it's just, it's remarkable to see and watch it play out the way it does. And it's shown remarkable results. I think what, we, what we're seeing, and I think Matt and I were talking before the show, and he's like, we haven't, over the last three years, our average is 82% solvability. Wow! When the national average is in the 50s. Wow. So we are just leaps and bounds ahead and I think what we're doing is working and I think people are starting to model their police department homicide divisions after Fort Wayne because what we're doing is working and this city, they can't solve everything. Um, they need a lot of times they need people's help because we weren't available, you know when this things happened. We didn't see it go down, but someone did and someone knows. Um, So we really need people to come forward. I
2: mean, I feel like at least on the media side, we always hear that, that witnesses didn't come forward. We don't have witness testimony.
0: It happens a lot more than you think um, that people don't come forward. Now, that is that shift is changing here in Fort Wayne. I think as we build trust with the community, they know that we're going to follow up these leads they're giving us and they they know we're going to check into stuff so they're more forthright with giving us that information if you if you give the information to a department that cares and they're legitimately mm-hmm. going to check something then they're you're more bound to give that information but if you're if you're in a department that doesn't really care and yeah give me the stuff I'll get to it when I get to it you're not going to want to divulge that information.
2: At what point and either of you can answer this, but you kind of mentioned it Tim like you could be on the scene for 32 36 hours and it's simply because information kind of just keeps pouring in. But at what point let's say you don't have the suspect or any other leads and that information kind of goes dry. At what point does it I don't know, you pack it up and go home so to, so to speak. When does that happen? Well,
3: it's kind of a kind of a team consensus. Like we'll we'll get together and we'll we'll brief or debrief however you want to look at it. What do we, what do we have? What what needs done? What what can wait? What can't wait? Mm-hmm. And then we'll decide. Hey, maybe we need to just take a break, go get four hours of sleep, and come back at come it. Come back fresh because yeah. we've done we've done that before, and you come back with a little bit of a fresh mind, and and information starts clicking and making more sense. Uh, we've also done it before where, um, so so let me go back to that team. Thing, yeah. We have the two leads and the three support guys. So eventually, those three support detectives leave because they have other full time assignments on the department. So they leave and they go back to their regular jobs. And at that time, the rest of the homicide unit, the other eight leads, start coming and jumping in and helping out wherever they're needed. Now, this usually happens the next work day. But there have been times on the weekend where two of our leads will send out a a text, a group text message like, hey, this case is hot and we need help and Mm -hmm. we'll start sending more people into work. So uh, we've had it before where we've sent leads home. Look, you need to go home, get some sleep. We'll keep working on this. Come back in after you get a little bit of sleep. So we'll start doing it in shifts if we have to. But there's no hard, fast. Okay, we've reached the 18th hour time to go to sleep. You know, there's We just play it by ear, and it's kind of a a team consensus.
2: At what point does a case, quote, go cold?
3: I wouldn't necessarily say the case has gone cold. Uh, It it takes quite a while for a case to get the cold uh, naming. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, When we no longer have actionable intel that we can act on right now. Um, evidence or leads that we can follow up right now. Uh, sometimes it, it it comes down to uh, we're waiting on a warrant to come back. That can take that could take a long time. Uh, so we're not going to just sit in the office and wait
2: right, for right.
3: hours. You know, we'll we'll get the information when we come back in the morning.
2: So maybe a better question would be. How long does it typically take? Is there even an average time to close a case? No. I mean, could you be working on them for six months, for a year, or longer?
3: There, I, I, there's no way to measure that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they worked on April Tinsley for 32 years. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it goes on, and these, they don't, they do, they don't have time constraints. Murder is an open-ended. There's never a. They, you know, some have. You have to prosecute within three years, five years. Some of them have thresholds. Murder does not have one.
3: You know, and uh, we have uh, some of our detectives uh, this year have uh, have cleared uh, five different cold cases, uh, three children that died in a house fire long, long time ago, back in the 80s. That case has been cleared, but that suspect's deceased, unable to be charged. Um, and then uh, two more homicides from... I think it was 2013 those suspects have recently pled guilty to, to those homicides uh so there's yeah there's, there's so
2: is a cold case really not a real thing to some degree because like you just said april tinsley 32 years long i mean if, if yeah. there's new information that comes in obviously yeah it, it
0: reactivates it, the yeah. case yeah and there's someone always looking over those cases like every um when they get some time when things have kind of I don't want to say a slow down because they never really do. But there is a cold case detective who also is part of the homicide team as well. So he goes out and does helps with stuff too. But he also is responsible for cold cases. So he goes through and he hmm. he, he just kind of puts eyes on those every now and again, see if any new information's come up. Sometimes we get crime stopper tips, um, P four tip, P three tips um that come in over the app. So it's just it's a lot of putting together pieces of a puzzle. And sometimes it, there's a couple pieces that come in at really odd times and everything just clicks. The, the picture comes together.
2: We started this episode by talking about where things kind of were, where they are now. Do you have the numbers? I see you all have some spreadsheets or something in front of you. I don't know what you all brought. But, I mean, do you kind of have, I know you mentioned, Sophia, national comparison about, what, a 50% What what were those numbers you said? Uh, Our average is 82% and the national average is around 59%. So, I mean, I guess how many homicide cases are you dealing with every year? I mean, do you have those numbers? Do you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, we have those numbers. Yeah, ab- Can
0: you
2: absolutely. share <laughs> Yeah, we have them, but we're not going to tell you what they are.
1: So over the past several years, we did an analysis. We're averaging, Fort Wayne, Indiana is averaging 41 homicides per year. So when we talk about an 82% clearance rate, that's yeah. since Tim has come up there, that's the change he has implemented with his, what we described earlier, that aggressive approach, every detective helps out, and we don't stop until we have nothing much more to do. So he's he's brought it to 82%. 41 homicides a year and that's that's been pretty consistent
2: 41 homicides a year seems like a lot to me but in the grand scheme of the population of fort wayne and compared to other cities perhaps our size is is that a lot
1: to be honest with you one homicide's too many but when we're comparing to larger cities we're doing pretty good here in fort wayne
2: Yeah.
1: yeah uh we could always do better so
2: sophia as it always happens um we always run out of time on this show but i think can we bring the guys back
0: Oh, I think I can make that
2: happen. <laughs> can you bat your eyelashes and make that happen? Uh,
0: <laughs> I'll just tell them they're coming. <laughs> yeah, there we go.
2: I like that strategy. Cause, and what are some things? I know there's uh, some other things I still want to touch on, but I know that my questions, I always say that I'm the average Joe and Sophia is the pro. Uh, I, I ask the average Joe things. Are there yeah. things that we need to dive into that we didn't even get close to? Again, I know I have my things, but.
0: Well, I think we're going to talk a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about just how good, their detectives are i think shining the light on those people in that division is going to be important and also where we're going what the future looks Mm. like because um there's some news tim's going um to take on a new role as well and then matt will be in this as the lead role here so we'll talk a little
2: bit about that too well, Tim, Matt, it looks like you're on the hook to come back.
3: Yeah, oh, right. that's fine. We'll be here. Be more than happy to come back.
2: And as always, if you have missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download us anywhere. You can download a podcast. This is your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered.
3: Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM.